Well, today we continue in our sermon series called In the Beginning. So far we've read through Genesis chapter 1, which is about God's creation on the first six days. Today we're going to focus on the seventh day. And we've got two readings. The first is from Genesis chapter 2, and you'll find that predictably on page 2 of the church Bibles or on the screen in front of you. Just the first three verses of Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And we turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11 and the first part of chapter 12, which you will find on page 1388, 1388 of the Church Bibles or again on the screen in front of you. Matthew chapter 11 and reading from verse... 27. That's actually on 1389, verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some of the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, 
you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they may kill Jesus. Lord, give us understanding of those words of Scripture. Thanks, David. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Let me just get myself organised. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause now to digest your word, please give us alert minds. Please give us responsive hearts. Please teach us to love and delight in your nature and your promises. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do you order your life across the week? I think this can be more complicated today than it was a generation ago. In my lifetime in Victoria, there has been a profound change that's happened. See, when I was a child, our society generally agreed that we need a common day of rest. Did you know that until 1991, it was illegal for any shops to do business on Sunday unless it was a milk bar or a petrol station? That's not that long ago. Whereas today, there's, there's an expectation that on Sundays people will be available to do work shifts, to go to uni events. I mean, it's not a complete change. Not everything happens on a Sunday. If someone's the, the CEO of a big company, they probably don't operate their office on a Sunday. Uh, banks don't open on a Sunday. Parliament doesn't sit on a Sunday. But for many less privileged people who are just trying to make ends meet, Sunday has become another day full of expectations. And there was an article that, that popped up on my newsfeed on the ABC website this morning, which kind of talks about how, how this seven-day-a-week, always-on, always-doing-something mentality is actually kind of wearing us down as a society. The quote from the article I'll read to you, we've been raised from the time we were babies to this curriculum of 
grind culture. And this idea that our worth is connected to how much we get done. And so perhaps perhaps Sunday trading has helped us grow wealthier, but I don't know that it's helped us grow happier. Because we're in a time where there's record levels of work-related burnout. And so today I want to I want to show you from God's word a vision of something better, a better way of seeing our lives, a better way of thinking about our week. Specifically, I, I, I want us to think through the implications of three things that God did on the seventh day. The three things in, in our verses, um, this is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The three things are God rested, God blessed the seventh day, and God made it holy. And I want us to see that, that if, we, if we respond to what God did on the seventh day, that, that this will be good for us as human beings. So look with me at Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, a really important fact to know is that the Hebrew word in this verse for rest, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. And from that word, we get our English word, Sabbath. So God rested on the seventh day, God Sabbathed on the seventh day. I guess the key question is, why? Why would God rest? I know that when I rest, well, I need to get my energy back. I'm tired, but but God? As Isaiah says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And so why does God rest? Well, part of the answer to that question is that God is leading the way for us who have been made in his image. Um, This is what we see in the famous Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, commandment number four looks back to what God did. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So when we rest one day in the week, we We look back, we follow God's lead from the beginning. God didn't need to rest, but he wanted to. He wanted to stop and spend time delighting in his creation so that humanity too can stop and delight and rest with him. It's a bit like, okay, imagine I send you a text message. I say, hey, are you doing anything at the moment? Do you want to catch up? 
Well, at the creation of the world, it's, it's like God sends humanity a text message. Hey, I'm resting. Will you join me? Now, of course, this is, this is when everything is good. The story goes on that because of human sin, um, humanity is put out of God's rest. And what I just read to you there, that's the, that's the fourth commandment from the book of Exodus. But here's something interesting. In the book of Deuteronomy, it repeats the Ten Commandments, but the wording is a bit different. In Deuteronomy, the Tenth Commandment goes like this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So it's the same command, but it's got a different angle on it. It's saying the people in Egypt, life in Egypt was slavery. Life in Egypt was work, 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 without relief, without any choice to do something different. And then God's rescue gave his people a fresh opportunity to rest with him. I mean, ultimately, the story of the Bible, the story of all human history, is that through Jesus Christ, God is bringing his people back into his rest. Here's a question you might be asking. Here it says, God rested on the seventh day, but, hang on, that's Saturday. So why do we Christians have Sunday as our day of rest? And I think that's a good question. And there's no particular... Oh, that's, a, that's exactly the right answer, John. Because, okay, there's no particular Bible verse that says, from now on the day of rest shall be Sunday. Rather, what, what we see is that after Jesus' death and resurrection... His followers originally started meeting every day, but over time, the Sunday gathering became the most significant one because big things happened on a Sunday. That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. That's the day the Holy Spirit came. And by the, by the second century, Christians started talking about Sunday as the eighth day. I mean, they still had a seven-day week, But what they were trying to say is that the resurrection of Jesus is such a momentous event that his his resurrection life is the beginning of a new creation. It's like the start of a new week. So if the people in the Old Testament rested on the seventh day, looking back to how God made this world, then we each Sunday look forward to the new creation where with Jesus we will truly rest from our labours. So does it, does it have to be Sunday? Well, look, not necessarily. But for, for Christian fellowship to happen, we, we do need a common day, don't we? And I think Sunday is the best one. I'll tell you a story. When I was a missionary, 
we lived in a country where the weekend was Thursday and Friday. It was, it was very disorienting. And our mission team decided, okay, maybe it makes most sense to have church, and church was just us among ourselves. There were no other Christians there at the start. And so let's, we said, let's have church every Friday, which was okay. But I remember one time we were having this discussion about the resurrection of Jesus, and we were talking about how, how the resurrection of Jesus, it's so central to the gospel, and how can we, how can we get opportunities to talk to our neighbours about the resurrection of Jesus? And anyway, on that day, we were having the discussion and there was a visitor with us from another mission team in another place. And this guy said, you know what? We talk to our neighbours about the resurrection all the time because we do church on Sundays. And and, and our neighbours think that's really weird. They're like, why don't you work on Sundays? And they say, well, let me tell you about the resurrection of Jesus. And so, in hindsight, meeting on Friday was okay, but maybe, maybe our team would have been better off meeting on Sunday. Uh, let's keep going in Genesis. God rested. Then verse 3, God blessed the seventh day. To, to bless something means you speak well of it. God wants us to know that having one day that's not like the others is good. As we rest one day in seven, we experience at least two dimensions of God's blessing. I mean, first of all, there's physical rest. God may not get tired from doing work, but I do. And it seems that this rhythm of one day in seven is what our bodies need. You might be aware that in 1929, the Soviet Union decided that if you have society grind to a halt for one day in seven, well, that's just, that's just religious tradition. That's a, that's a waste of the means of economic production. And so they introduced a five day week. And they, they put workers on a roster where they would take turns on which day they would have off. And so in that way, there was 80% of the, the workforce at work every day, and then the machines in the factories would never have to be turned off. Well, after two years, they realised it wasn't working. Productivity dropped, machines broke down, and workers became unmotivated. Oh, they switched to a six-day week and they went back to a common day off. But then in 1940, when the country was facing the, the Nazi invasion, they realised that they had to get serious and do something that would actually work. And so they went back to a seven-day week with one-day rest. One day's rest in seven is good for your body. If you try to push seven days a week, you might be able to do it for a period of time, but sooner or later it'll catch up with you and you'll burn out. There's a doctor by the name of Sir James C. Brown 
And he once wrote, We doctors in the treatment of nervous diseases are compelled to provide periods of rest. Some of these periods are, I think, only Sundays in arrears. What he means is that if you don't rest one day in seven now, at some point you'll crash. And at some point your body will just have a whole lot of catching up to do. And so one day in seven is a blessing for our, our physical health. But that's not all. There's also the blessing of spiritual rest. And then that's God's rest, isn't it? God's rest is spiritual rest. God's rest is the rest of knowing that his work is done. Remember our New Testament reading. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. What kind of rest is Jesus talking about? He's talking about spiritual rest. He's talking about relief from our spiritual burdens. It's the kind of rest where you realise hang on, I don't have to do anything to erase the guilt of my sins because because in Christ's death it's all paid for? It's the kind of rest where you don't have to keep living with this sense of failure every time you think about God because Christ has kept the law, has finished the work for you. It's the kind of Rest where you don't have to achieve, achieve, achieve in order to be someone. Because in Christ, you are children of God. It's a kind of rest where you don't have to stress about the future because in Christ, your future is secure. And of course, this is a rest that's not only for Sundays, is it? This is a rest that we can experience as we come to Christ every day. And yet this is a a rest that we can so easily forget. And one of the key things that we want to do when we come together like we are today on a Sunday is to remember the gospel, to remember that in Jesus we can rest and please don't treat church as if it's like a, a religious work, if it's something that's just a bit wearisome, that, but I've got to do it to get on God's good side again. That, that'll just sap the joy out of your church experience. Come together believing the gospel, believing that Jesus has done enough and that you can rest in God's presence. Here's another question that you might have. You, you might be thinking, okay, one day in seven, is that, is that like a suggestion from God or is it a command? Because some people will say that the Sabbath day, well, that, that's part of the law of Moses and Christians, we're not under the law, so it's, it's not really a command even if it's a good idea. I'd say, well, certainly there are, as, as you, you read through the law, there's a certain strictness 
and specificness, like you know, no collecting firewood, that, that was part of the system of law that's now been fulfilled in Christ. But today's passage reminds us that Sabbath is something that goes all the way back to creation, before the law. That's interesting. If, if you read through the book of Exodus, uh, you read through, you get to this story in, in Exodus chapter 16, which is all about God's food, uh, sorry, God's people collecting food in the desert. Um, they're collecting manna and quail, and there's this instruction, you know, you do, do that six days a week, but not on the Sabbath. Now, the interesting thing about that story is that that story comes before the law was given. Uh, there's this recognition of, of God's command to rest before we get to the Ten Commandments. In fact, I don't think you can really rest unless you're convinced that God has said, I invite you to rest, in fact, I insist on it. Because if you think, oh, rest, the day of rest, that's kind of optional, then when you try to rest, you're just going to have all this guilt in the back of your mind about all the things I haven't finished doing and should I be, should I be opening my emails and should I be d- doing all of that? Whereas God giving us a command says, you can, you can get back to that tomorrow. Today, I insist that you rest. And that, that's, that's freeing. And in that sense, it, it takes faith to stop. To stop and go, no, God said I can stop and tomorrow will come tomorrow. And so now we're getting into the third thing that God did on the Sabbath day. God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Holy means it's specially set aside for him. Holy implies that we don't let everything else crowd in on that day. Of course, there there are works of necessity, works of mercy that are good to do on the Sabbath. I mean, we, that's our New Testament reading. We read about Jesus doing merciful things, saying it's right to do good on the Sabbath. And, and there are certain things which are essential. I mean, it's, it's essential that nurses are in hospitals on Sundays. Um, it's, it's essential. I'm really glad that the police force doesn't shut down on Sundays. Otherwise, Sunday would be the perfect day for armed robbers. And actually, right at this moment, we're relying on the people working at the power station and the people at the internet company so that we can live stream our service and turn on the speakers and all of that. And so here's my plea when it comes to working out the practicalities of keeping one day holy. My plea is that Instead of legalism or license, that we're driven by love. They're the three L's. Not legalism, not license, but love. 
See, legalism, legalism can mean that we're just focused on the details of what others around us are or aren't doing on the Sabbath and we're ready to judge them if we think they're doing it wrong. I remember once when I was a teenager, we had a church family camp and uh, before worship on the Sunday morning, some of us were standing around outside, someone was bouncing a basketball and a guy came from inside and said, guys, guys, can you stop bouncing the ball? Some of the people inside are distressed that you're doing it on the Sabbath. So when it comes to the details, let's give space for individual conscience. Because in the end, it's God that each of us has to answer for, not everyone else. On the other hand, uh, you've got license. License is when you sort of say, oh, well, I don't want to be legalistic and I have so much to do. I mean, there's shopping and there's sport and my boss has asked me if I'm free. And so, yeah, I've got a license to, to maybe, maybe, I can, maybe I can get an hour's rest on Tuesday afternoon. I, th- I think to keep a day holy means that we do need to ask, is this really necessary? Can I say to my boss, sorry, there's one day a week that I'm not available? Friends, let's be driven by love, love for God, the kind of love which seeks to obey, the kind of love for God that longs to rest in his presence in response to his invitation and his insistence. Because sadly, I've, I've seen enthusiastic Christians whose faith has kind of gone cold because just the expectations of life and work has just overtaken their week. I mean, if it's necessary for you to work on Sundays, and for some of you it might be necessary, you also need to realise that it's necessary that you, that you find a, like a small group or some other regular way to hear God's word and to fellowship with other believers. Because love for God goes together with love for each other, doesn't it? Surely the first step in loving Christian brothers and sisters is to be with them. So friends, are you convinced that it's good to recognise that one day is not like the others? Perhaps this morning you've been convicted that there's things in your life that you need to take charge of or or something particular that you need to reorganise. If if we really get what the Sabbath is about, it won't be a burden. It'll be a delight. It'll be freedom. Because, friends, what a God we have, a God who insists that we rest. Isn't 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 that a loving God? What a saviour we have who says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls. What hope we have of a new creation where our ultimate goal is not just work, 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 work. Our ultimate goal is that we will rest in his presence forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you're a God who delights in your creation and your people and you invite us into your rest.
Heavenly Father, what a saviour you've given us who has done the work of obedience for us, who's paid for our sins, who's risen from the dead and is bringing us into the new creation. Father, please teach us to delight in you. Teach us to order our lives with obedience and wisdom. Please refresh us as we continually come into your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.